Welcome, friends. This is the Underground Writing Podcast for the week of September 21st, 2020. I'm Matt Mallion, Director of Underground Writing, a program offering creative writing workshops in at-risk community settings. We work in places in which people have been speaking but not heard, thus resulting in voices forced underground. And I'm Alvin Shim, producer for the Underground Writing Podcast. On our podcast, we share writing crafted in our five underground writing sites. Today, we're going to provide our listeners with another COVID-19 era update regarding underground writing, as well as reading some student pieces generated before and during this time. As you know, listeners, it's been something this year of 2020, the pandemic, the quarantine, the killing of George Floyd and the ensuing protests, the wildfires currently occurring up and down the West Coast, the looming November election. It's been a year of great challenges and a year of hope for true and lasting change. How will it and how will we be remembered? So this first piece comes from a workshop uh, where we brought in uh, Sherman Alexie's poem, Last Will and Testament. And this is a student's poem called Remember My Will and Testament by Jamie from the Skagit County Community Justice Center. Remember me of being happy, not sad. Remember me of being loving, not mad. Remember me singing, not yelling. Remember me of dancing, not running. Remember me helping and not failing. Remember me catching and not throwing. Remember the good times and not the bad times. Remember me climbing and not falling. Just remember me. That was written in January of this year. This uh, piece. This next piece was written uh, in this summer for a workshop we titled The World Has Need of You, one of our e-deliverable workshops. And this uh, student was responding to a poem by Gregory Orr, and the poem of his is called Not Many of Them, It's True. And I'm going to read Gregory Orr's poem, and then I'll read the student's poem. Not Many of Them, It's True. Not many of them, it's true, but certain poems in an uncertain world, the ones we cling to. They bring us back, always to the beloved whom we thought we'd lost. As surely as if the words led her by the hand, brought him before us. Certain poems in an uncertain world. And this is what the student wrote. There's a song that makes me think about the mother of my child. It brings back memories and makes me think about the birth of my son and how I thought everything changed and I'd finally have a family. It makes me feel so many emotions at once, just the words of the song. 
and I can't even think about it too much, or I would go crazy in a place like this. So I think those the overarching theme of being remembered, not only wanting ourselves to be remembered and how we will be remembered and wanting to be remembered in a good light, but also how we remember others. So the, the first student talking about how he wants to be remembered, the second student talking about remembering someone from that side of the equation. Gregory Orr's poem really riffs on or what I see in it is this remembering Remembering in a way that is compared to, um, I believe, the uh, Orpheus myth with Orpheus and Eurydice and how um, Orpheus goes to the underworld and is, is to try to save his love who he has remembered all these years. And um, it's allowed and he can lead her up the passage to uh, the earth again uh, if he just doesn't look back. And um, of course just near the cusp of entering the earth and um, life again, he he fails in the sense of he just needs to look back and make sure she's with him, make sure in a sense that she's still remembered and with him. And therefore in that moment, he loses her. And I see, I see not only a person there, but I also, it made me think because of the times we're in, it made me think about and the students weren't saying this, and I don't think Gregory Orr necessarily, but it just makes me think of America too, in, in the sense of like the America that people are um, longing for maybe yesteryears in America, not that it was all perfect back then, uh, but also just wanting kind of um, a different America at this time that we're in. Remembering that it's, it's, not all, it's never been perfect, but remembering the, I, I guess, the ideals and, and where we should be heading, I guess is how to put it. So that's kind of all woven in these, these pieces that I read. And as I reflected on them and I don't know, what do you, what did you hear Alvin? And what, what are your thoughts on, on some of that? I was really struck by the idea that we don't get to choose um, which poems stick and how we're remembered and, and frankly, how the touchstones and the traumas of our lives. And, and I heard um, on a different podcast that a trauma is something that, it's whatever whether it's good or bad it's something that you define your life in as a benchmark you used to say as as before this trauma and then after this trauma you kind of categorize that way but the idea that we don't get to choose what our traumas and benchmarks are and we don't as Jamie knows we don't get to choose how people uh remember us yeah in individual like there are there are songs that i i still associate very vividly to certain people in my in my life from a long time ago. And some of those are heartbreaking and some of those are, are, are fantastic. But there's also things from my brain, from maybe deep in my lizard brain that are, I wish I could just clear space for Not that they're bad, but they're, they're, they're jingles from Grand Rapids, Michigan, small business commercials. <laughs> and that they still take up real estate in my brain. And I have some things going on. I'd like to clear that space. Yeah, I don't get to choose that. Yeah, though. it's the the some of the catchiest songs are the ones we would least need to hold on to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I had an experience. You saying that reminded me. I had an experience of that recently. Well, not well, maybe in May, early May, where I heard a song. I hadn't heard it in years, and I heard this song. And when I heard the song, I had this really intense experience and sort of an epiphany for my own for my own life. Um, 
that was super intense, and it was triggered by this song that I hadn't heard in years. And I, I think, like like you're saying, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't aware that the song was going to do that, and I certainly didn't like. I'm going to choose this song today so I can have this experience, but it just happened. Mm-hmm. I, I think your point about we don't to go to go to another point that you made, like we don't get to choose how people remember us, and yet, like Jamie is writing, of course we would like to have a choice in how we're remembered, which I think he expresses it. And I think it, it gets at that, it gets at that human desire of wanting to re, be remembered for the good things, not maybe to the exclusion of everything else, because that's not possible. And we know that, but w- our desire to be remembered for the good things more than mm-hmm. the, the quote unquote bad things that have happened, mm-hmm. which are part of our lives as well. When you read his poem just now, did you read that as an invitation to the listener or as a pleading from Jamie to as a pleading for grace? Like I did I did some bad things. Please overlook those. Please don't pay them any as much mind as the good things. Or did you did you see that as an invitation to for growth and for more um more of a sympathetic remembering? And you got to answer quickly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess I did see it more as a pleading. Yeah, I did too. And I think my experience of working with um, working in settings of incarceration, the people in those settings are going through intense reflections. Kind of like as you in, in a different from a different angle, we're talking about these traumatic events in their life. They're going through them over and over because they have a lot of space, a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Often they're coming off drugs. Um, and so they're, they're clearing their head and there's this space and quietness and routine that allows them, whether they want it or not, allows them to reflect. And often we see them, um, do writing like this where they're really talking about their life and trying to come to grips with things and wanting people to still believe in them. And I think if we're all honest listeners and myself, uh, and you, Alvin, like if we're honest, like we might not have a moment, or we may, but we may not have a moment of incarceration where that happens, but those moments still happen for us where something intense happens, and then all of a sudden there's this quiet, and and we start reflecting on like the bigger things in life that are sometimes pushed away because we're so busy, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that, I think the pandemic that's been going on has, has functioned that way. I just, I read the other day, um, one of our advisory board members uh, who was a director of a program has has resigned after years and years and years because during the pandemic, she was able to have reflections about what she wanted to do with the rest of her life, and she said, "Okay, I think you know I've worked here twenty some years, and now I'm going to move on to this this other thing and re- and actually focus on my own writing." For example, in in her case, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. But that pandemic, and where everybody's at home, everybody's the the schedules are still really busy, but in a, in a different way. And we have this reflection or reflective space to reflect. Uh, we're going through, I feel like from what I hear and from what I've experienced, we're going through a lot of like self-reflection and examination of our lives and what we can and can't live with. And like, Oh gosh, you know, things were this way and maybe I don't want them to be that way in mm-hmm. the future. That's sort right. of thing. Yeah, talk about good trauma. There's nothing good about pandemic, but the good response that we're collectively 
strongly invited to when we're stuck at home, we're stuck with our kids, stuck with our, our family members and our, our social structures um, that we were, for some of us, myself, certainly in some cases, we were distracted by for most of our lives or most of our living days. And now they're gone and we have to reconcile with our more of our core identity. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's, that is, that is so right on. I've, I've, I've been doing a lot of reflection in, in, in those things, you know, and like, I hear you. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's, it is not a great time as it, that's an overstatement or an understatement. Um, but good is coming of it in, in some of these very aspects we're talking about. Yeah. That's one of those, as we go on through these events and traumas, all we're, all we can do is handle what we're responsible for our response to this global pandemic and we could we could also say this pandemic was avoidable on a global scale on a national scale but for the individual citizen in our neighborhoods it happens to us it happens to our families and it's yeah I was going to say I was going to say it's in the air we breathe which is ironic because of the the wildfires right now which we're not just, we are breathing it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Before before I forget uh, to kind of loop back a little to something I mentioned earlier, I just want to mention um, a couple of resources, and we'll we'll list this, we'll list uh, links on the on the podcast website, folks, if you want to follow up with this and our suggested links for further further investigation. But I just want to mention uh, Gregory Orr has a book called uh, Orpheus and Eurydice. The subtitle is a lyric sequence by Gregory Orr, and it retells the myth in a very conversational, poetic language. I also want to mention uh, Rainer Maria Rilke's poem, Orpheus, Eurydice, Hermes, which is a gorgeous poem. Can can be found in the selected poetry of Rilke by uh, translator Stephen Mitchell. Gorgeous poem, very, very sad kind of retelling of the, of the myth, but beautiful. And also Gregory Orr's book, uh, which I find very essential reading, Poetry as Survival. And if you know Gregory Orr's style, not his style, his story, poetry is one way he survived a terrible tragedy when he was a young boy where he, in a hunting accident, killed his uh, brother. And he has a book about that, a nonfiction book telling about that story and how it shaped his life and how he has survived you know, speaking of trauma, that survived that trauma uh, when he was a very young boy. So I just want to recommend those reading materials to follow up on that theme if you're at all interested. Can you read Christian's poem again? Sure, yeah. So again, this is in response or after Gregory Orr's uh, piece, Not Many of Them is True. There's a song that makes me think about the mother of my child, It brings back memories and makes me think about the birth of my son and how I thought everything changed and I'd finally have a family. It makes me feel so many emotions at once, just the words of that song, and I can't even think about it too much, or I would go crazy in a place like this. What's been going on in the world of underground writing? 
Well, uh, quite a bit for the for the main updates in this episode. We're going to ask five questions. I think if if I'm right in that, Alvin, yep. uh, that may be on your mind, uh, listener, as a supporter of our work. So, how has COVID nineteen pivoting fared now in early fall 2020? Well, our two main pivots have been transitioning to e-deliverable workshops and uh, two weekly publishing of student writing on all our social media platforms. Uh, Given all that's going on in the world and in the lives of our students as well, the workshops, uh, to be quite honest, have not been as successful as our traditional in-person workshops. And I think this speaks uh, mainly to the power of our normal uh, in-person presence and the quality of interactions that our normal contexts provide. Uh, This said, we have received a good amount of writing, and those that have most needed to write have taken the opportunity to to do so using our simple prompt-based worksheets. So e-deliverable workshops is the game right now, unfortunately. Can we can we put one of those on the links so the listeners can see an example of those? Yeah, if if you if you listener would like to use a worksheet to help you reflect on a few poems or your life or with hopes to generate some meaningful writing, please do contact us. We can put up a link for one. Uh, they're quite simple to be very honest, uh, but using them in a quiet space allows for the seeds of writing to be planted and perhaps something larger will grow if you return to the writing you create. And you can email us anytime about this, info at undergroundwriting.org. So there are five different workshops that, that generate writing with underground writing. What are they, what are they doing? Well, all the, all the workshops is from our end. All the workshop sites are using the same worksheets that we develop. We've, we've tried to develop them with all our students in mind and aimed at a middle ground, as it were, in hopes that any age or demographic can successfully engage with them. What's the next step and the next hope for the workshops? Well, right now we're beginning the 2020-2021 academic year. So we are currently in dialogue with our Migrant Leaders Club site about how to shape our involvement with them. Um, And that will be um, challenging because at least the at least the first half of the year in the district is going to be is is happening as remote learning here uh, where we are. But we did have a student from the club reach out to us recently. I thereafter contacted their coordinator and we're proceeding forward with investigating how we can how we can be involved there. Um, we're also in regular contact with all our other sites. Um, as you know, listeners, or as you may remember, uh, we were about to launch a sixth site at another juvenile detention. That's put in place on hold. But we're uh, in contact with our other sites. The overarching mode for the time is to continue forward uh, how we have been with e-deliverable workshops and online publishing. You know, we want to be safe with our students, and we also want to be safe with our volunteer uh, teaching writers in the context we serve. So that's the mode for now. We're also carrying on with normal administration, communications, and projects and project management. So how can I, as a listener and a community member, how can I encourage or help these students? Well, as you know, listener, our big thing is really amplifying student voices, getting their voices out there into uh, the communities uh, locally and beyond that uh, to help shape and reshape community thought about our context and uh, our students. And so spread the word about our students' work. Uh, Follow us on social media, get others to do so. We're still shipping books, so consider buying books from our store and giving them as gifts. Um, Also consider donating books to The Change, which is our book pipeline to students, uh, particularly those in settings of incarceration. If you want further details on that, please contact us anytime, again, at info at undergroundwriting.org. 
The change is such a great opportunity that we talked about in the discussion with the poems. These individuals, they're, they're thrown into this, this setting of isolation and, and digesting of trauma and uh, contemplation. And the right book or the right books in their hands will, will change their lives. So can you can you list some of the books that you've gotten in or sent in? Yeah, we that's that's a good. Uh, you read my mind because I wanted to mention that in the spring we had a huge amount of donated books from Lopez Island, and that was coordinated by our teacher, our teaching writer Lori Parker, who lives on Lopez Island, and she coordinated with the community there, and we probably had twenty boxes of books come in from Lopez Island. They sat for a while because of the pandemic, and then. Uh, as I was clearing garage space for our um, for the foreseeable future headquarters here, uh, office space, I got uh, the boxes delivered to juvenile detention and the Skagit County Community Justice Center and Green Hill School in Chehalis, Washington, which is Washington's uh, maximum security prison for male youth. And uh, so a lot of books going to those communities, anything from nonfiction, some growing gardens to novels to poetry and it kind of ran the gamut about as far as like what was donated and what what could be used so we got them all distributed and and um yeah some some anything from classics like um trying to think like classic mythology or homer uh all the way to like current very current ya uh novels uh in verse and not verse so it was it was great. I, th- I think if if people are looking to involve themselves with book donations, please contact us for a list. Uh, we can suggest some really good mm. books that we've come across mm-hmm. that could be purchased and sent in. Yeah. So every time I'm here in Matt's office space, we're we're in different rooms. Again, listener, we're being safe, but there's always uh, the stacks of books are always being added to and modified, and they they move from here to there. I imagine, and I think Matt's one of those crazy people that can read four or five books at a time. Is that true, Matt? <laughs> I, I would books. say I can try to do that. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of those crazy people that tries to do that. I, sh- I should not. I want to not do that as much, but I, <laughs> I just have a hard time not loving most books that I encounter. Right. So imagine um, we're at we're at the bookstore. That's hilarious. Imagine we're at a bookstore and and we have a a patron of the change, and they say pick two books to send to all of the to our partner uh, incarceration sites, and I'll pick two also. Which two books do you choose right now? Well, for juvenile detention, I definitely pick Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds, mm-hmm. uh, which just like swept the young adult category of awards. Um, a beautiful book written in poetry uh, called uh, kind of the genre of YA novel in verse. And it tells the story of a, uh, a young man whose brother has been shot and he goes to seek revenge, gets his gun from his apartment, takes the elevator down to go take the revenge, as is the code of the gang. And uh, on the way down in the elevator... All these mysterious things happen. Beautiful, beautiful book, uh, an important book. Um, y- you go next, and I'll, I'll think of a second one, Alvin. Um, one that I just finished. I, I like to I like to usually pass on books uh, if they're good enough after I'm done. But I bought I read the first chapter, and then I bought another one immediately. Um, I'm still here by Austin Channing Brown. It's a very easy read um, in terms of how quickly the chapters go, but I. I can't do. I can't read other books while I'm reading. That's so powerful. It speaks so boldly to truth about being a black person, about being a black woman in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austin Channing Brown is a black woman. Uh, she meant she addresses that. Her, uh, her, her name is Austin. Uh, just powerful book. And I'll I'll tell you, my grandma, 
who also reads four or five books at a time, when she read started reading it, she put all the other ones on hold. She read it with me. So that's that's my first okay. one. Wow. I guess... Yeah, I, I guess I, I guess I would recommend for a broad kind of category of like uh, older and younger students, um, probably a book called the vintage, the vintage Hughes, and that is Langston Hughes poetry. Because I think why I'm recommending that at this time is number one, we've used uh, his poems a lot in our workshops, but also you know Hughes came to prominence in the 20s and 30s in the what's called the Harlem Renaissance, and uh, his poetry is very accessible. And it also speaks to uh, the experience of African-American uh, black people in America and um, in a really in a really powerful uh, and accessible way. And since I'm on that subject, I'll just throw in a third book, uh, <laughs> Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison, which I've started uh, reading again. Classic. And, uh, just a just a powerful novel. Yeah. So that, I'm sneaking three books yeah, in there. That's I'll give a pass to Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. <laughs> My gosh. Um, one of the, one of the handful of books that I, I read, I try to read every year. Um, it's always, always so applicable. The Winter of Our Discontent, John Steinbeck, it's, it does such a good, um, skilled job of transferring, like jumping back and forth between themes and tones, um, and what morality is and what broken dreams and living through them and living through the aftermath of it. And also um, being a family member in that tragedy and America, all these, all these big, great themes that it doesn't wrap up. It just, it just pokes and examines and walks around and kicks the tires at these themes. It's just so moving. And it makes me laugh so hard. I don't know why, why it does so much. Maybe because I'm, it's just very, very engaging. Um, I would I would recommend that to anybody any day of the week. So listeners, consider purchasing these books. Yeah, why are we talking? Oh yeah, the, the change. <laughs> <laughs> consider purchasing them and uh, sending them in for the change, the book pipeline. Um, also, it doesn't have to be anything we recommend. If you think you've got a few good titles you'd like to get to uh, to the students, you can send them our way. Just give us a shout by email, and, and we can start a discussion about it. Finally, I want to mention just uh, three brief updates to keep in mind, uh, just because it's been a while since we've been on uh, the podcast. Uh, one is keep in mind that our Dear America chapbook will be out in the next month or so. It will contain our students' writings about and to America. Number two, uh, we have a new initiative called Letters to a Young Inmate that is on the home stretch. We have received all the letters. Again, this, these are letters from older inmates who have served a lot of time being written to juvenile detention youth and uh, what the product is going to be a booklet that comes with a uh, usable or or uh, a usable curriculum or it can stand alone as a booklet that will just inspire and and uh, help youth we hope and we hope to launch the initiative in late 2020 more details are on our website and uh, that the page on our website will be evolving as the things roll out and finally and I didn't even tell you this, Alvin, yet, but I want to say a huge thanks to the Academy of American Poets, the Community of Literary Magazines and Presses, and the National Book Foundation for their recent inclusion of underground writing in the Literary Arts Emergency Grant Program. We received this news just this week on Monday and are extremely honored and grateful to be one of 282 American literary organizations included in this. That's awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. What an honor. Make a difference, but you have to make some noise. 
We have to stay together, united together, we're fighting. Today's featured writings were new pieces by students from our Skagit County Community Justice Center site. You can read more student writing from this site, along with our four other sites, in What No One Ever Tells You, Underground Writing's anthology of student writing, available for ordering via our website. A note to listeners, as we've mentioned, we are still shipping books during the COVID-19 lockdown. You may have more time to read nowadays, and we can send you good material. Consider ordering a book or two today. We'll have another episode for you in the coming weeks. Let us know what you thought of this episode. Send feedback via our email address, podcast at undergroundwriting.org. Connect with us via our website, undergroundwriting.org. Spread the word about our work by mentioning us on social media. The Underground Writing Podcast is recorded and produced by Alvin Shim and Underground Writing. You can access it via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and other podcast outlets, as well as on our website, where we include links of interest connected to items mentioned in each episode. The introductory music for this podcast is Cool Number no. 2 by Walt Hampton, performed by the Leventure Middle School Marimba Band here in Mount Vernon, Washington. The music you hear at the conclusion of each episode is provided by Luis Lopez and the Migrant Leaders Club in the Mount Vernon School District. I am Alvin Shim. And I'm Matt Malian. Thanks for listening. Racism, discrimination. How can you not say that we're free when our freedom's based on limitations? Dedication, perseverance, you know that there is hope. Hatred from the people is something